Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. standing by. Welcome to the Superior Plus 2021 First Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Mr. Rob Dorian, BPIR and Treasurer. Thank you. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Kara. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Superior Plus's conference call and webcast to review our 2021 first quarter results. Our speakers on the call today will be Luke Desjardins, President and CEO, and Beth Summers, Executive VP and CFO. Today's call is being webcast, and we encourage listeners to follow along with the supporting presentation, which is also available on our website. For this morning's call, Luke and Beth will begin with their prepared remarks, and then we will open up the call for questions. Before I turn the call to Luke, I'd like to remind you that some of the comments made today may be forward-looking in nature and are based on Superior's current expectations, estimates, judgments, projections, and risks. Further, some of the information provided refers to non-GAAP measures. Please refer to Superior's first quarter MDNA posted on CDAR and Superior's website yesterday for further details on forward-looking information and non-GAAP measures. I would encourage listeners to review the MDNA as it includes more detail on the financial information for the first quarter as we won't be going over each financial metric on today's call. This will allow us to move more quickly into the question and answer period. I'll now turn the call over to Luke. So thank you, Rob, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the call. We hope everyone is safe and healthy. We we are still dealing with various levels of COVID-19 restriction in our operating region in Canada and the U.S., and are proud of our team commitment to safety and reliability provided essential fuel and service to our customer. I would like to start with some highlights from the first quarter and recent weeks following the end of the quarter. On April 9, we successfully complete our transition to a pure play energy distribution company with the sale of a specialty chemical, and we have already announced our complete four acquisition in 2021 for the total consideration of $258 million. We are focused on growing our business and have set a goal to double the U.S. propane EBITDA in the next five years. We'll achieve that growth through acquisition, organic growth, continuous improvement initiatives in Canada, and we're also looking at acquisition, but the majority of the growth in that business will come demand recovery following COVID-19. That's for Canada. Organic growth and continuous improvement initiative are also part of our play. We'll be rolling out our new five-year strategic plan, the Superior Way Forward, on May 25th, 
at a virtual investor day, I invite you all to attend this presentation as we will be laying the framework for the next five years and our financial and operational goals. In late January and early February, we announced three propane acquisitions for a total consideration of 45 million, adding 40 million liter, 19,000 customer in the Northeast US and in Canada. On April 22nd, we announced we have entered into an agreement to acquire Freeman Gas for US company for 170 million in the Southeast USA. We also published our inaugural sustainability report, recognizing the importance in, of sustainability and ESG principle and operation and business strategy. This report is just a start, and we look forward to sharing more detail on what Sucur is doing in relation to ESG as building a sustainable company and key to our future success and working with our stakeholders. Propane is expected to play an important role in energy transition and reducing greenhouse gas emission by displacing other fuels such as diesel, gasoline, and heating oil, preparing vehicle and remote power generation application. We also delivered strong financial and operating results for the first quarter with our strategic growth and operational initiatives on track with our plan. Our energy distribution businesses continue to demonstrate resiliency as we achieve record EBITDA from operation of 216.4 million in the first quarter. U.S. propane results increased significantly compared to the prior year quarter due to the high sale volume related to acquisition and colder weather, partially offset by higher operating expense. U.S. propane EBITDA from operation 2021 is anticipated to be higher than 2020, primarily due to the impact of acquisition complete in 2020 and 2021. Weather consistent with the five-year average benefits from the superior weight and seasonal workforce optimization initiative and realized synergy from acquisition. Canadian propane results for the first quarter were lower than the prior year quarter due to the decrease in average margin related to wholesale propane market fundamentals and a decrease in commercial volume related to COVID-19, a decline in the oil field and commercial business overall. Canadian propane EBITDA from operation in 2021 is anticipated to be lower than 2020, primarily due to the decrease in sales volume and average unit margin, as well as a reduction in the CAWS benefits from the government, partially offset by lower operating expense. Sales volume expect to decrease due to the impact of COVID-19 and reduce activity oil and gas and other segments in Western Canada related to that. In March and April, we enhance our financial flexibility to the insurance of two unsecured nodes and the extension of our credit facility. These refinancing initiatives will deliver approximately $15 million of annual interest savings and extend our debt maturity out to 2026 and on. We're optimistic some restriction will be lifted in the second half of 2021, allowing our commercial customer to operate at higher capacity. However, we have resilient business and we expect to generate strong free cash flow even in this challenging environment. I'll now turn the call over to Beth to discuss the financial results and more details.
Thank you, Luke, and good morning, everyone. Superior achieved first quarter adjusted EBITDA of $211.6 million, a $26.2 million, or 14% increase, over the prior year quarter primarily due to higher EBITDA from operations from U.S. propane and realized gains on foreign exchange hedging contracts compared to a realized loss in the prior year quarter. This was partially offset by lower EBITDA from operations in Canadian propane distribution and higher corporate costs. Our consolidated net earnings from continuing operations of $75.4 million in the first quarter increased $74.3 million over the first quarter of 2020. The primary driver was the strength of the U.S. propane distribution segment described earlier and the gains on derivative and foreign currency translation of borrowing, partially offset by higher finance expense and income tax expense in the current quarter. Our consolidated adjusted operating cash flows before transaction and other costs for the first quarter was $185.3 million, a $28.9 million or 18% increase compared to the prior year quarter. This was primarily due to higher adjusted EBITDA and lower interest expense, partially offset by higher cash tax expenses. Turning now to the individual business results, U.S. propane EBITDA from operations was $140.1 million, an increase of $36.7 million, or 35% from the prior year quarter, primarily due to the contribution from acquisitions completed in the last 12 months and colder weather. Residential sales volumes were 33% higher compared to the prior year quarter, primarily due to acquisitions and colder weather. Average weather is measured by degree days, across the markets where U.S. propane operates was 7% colder than the prior year quarter and 4% warmer than the five-year average. Commercial sales volumes were 27% higher compared to the prior year quarter, primarily due to acquisitions in colder weather, partially offset by a decrease in low-margin commercial distillate volume and the impact of COVID-19. Average margins were consistent with the prior year quarter is the impact from customer mix and sales and marketing initiatives were offset by the impact of the stronger Canadian dollar on U.S.-denominated gross profit. Operating costs increased by 20% compared to the prior year quarter due to acquisitions, partially offset by workforce optimization initiatives and realized synergies. Canadian propane EBITDA from operations of $76.3 million decreased $10.3 million or 12% from the prior year quarter, primarily due to lower average margins related to weaker wholesale propane fundamentals and lower sales volumes related to the impact of COVID-19. A decline in oil field activity in Western Canada and warmer weather. Residential sales volumes were 12% higher than the prior year quarter. This was primarily due to increased demand from COVID-19 related restrictions, keeping more people at home and to a lesser extent, the impact of acquisitions completed during the current quarter. The increase was partially offset by warmer average weather compared to the prior year quarter. Average weather across Canada for the first quarter, as measured by degree days, was 3% warmer than the prior year and 4% warmer than the five-year average. Commercial sales volumes were 9% lower than the prior year quarter, primarily due to the impact of COVID-19 on demand across the country, continued weaker economic conditions in Western Canada, and to a lesser extent, the warmer weather. 
Wholesale propane volumes were 2% higher compared to the prior year quarter due to sales and marketing efforts to increase third-party spot price wholesale propane sales. Average margins were 8% lower than the prior year quarter due to the weaker wholesale propane market fundamentals. Operating costs decreased by 6% compared to the prior year quarter due to the impact from the CWS benefit and cost-saving initiatives. Lastly, the corporate results in the adjusted EBITDA and leverage guidance. Corporate operating costs were $10.3 million, an increase of $9.7 million compared to the $0.6 million in the prior year quarter, primarily due to higher long-term incentive plan costs related to the share price appreciation in the current quarter. Interest costs decreased 14% compared to the prior year quarter due to the lower average debt levels and lower interest rates. Superior's total net debt to adjusted EBITDA leverage ratio for the trailing 12 months ended March 31, 2021, including the specialty chemicals EBITDA from operations was 3.6 times. The pro forma net debt to adjusted EBITDA leverage ratio adjusted for the cash proceeds received from the sale of the specialty chemicals business and excluding the specialty chemicals EBITDA from operations was 2.9 times which is below the low end of Superior's long-term target of three to three and a half times. In the quarter, we redeemed the U.S. $350 million 7% senior unsecured note due July 15, 2026, with proceeds from a private placement of U.S. $600 million 4.5% senior unsecured notes issued at par and due March 15, 2029. Following the quarter end, we amended the syndicated credit facility and extended the maturity to May 8, 2026. There were no changes to the total commitments available under the credit facility, the accordion capacity, or the financial covenant. In addition, we announced a Canadian $500 million private placement of senior unsecured notes issued at 4.25%. The proceeds from the notes, along with borrowing under the credit facility and cash on hand, will be used to redeem the Canadian $400 million, 5.25% senior unsecured note, and the Canadian $370 million, 5.125% senior unsecured note. We further strengthened our balance sheet and debt maturity profile, so we're well positioned from a financing and liquidity perspective. Superior's outlook for 2021 remains unchanged with expected adjusted EBITDA guidance in the previously disclosed guidance range of $370 million to $410 million. Average weather for the remainder of 2021 is anticipated to be consistent with the five-year average for the U.S. and Canada. We may reevaluate the 2021 adjusted EBITDA guidance when the acquisition of Freeman Gas closes. With that, I'll turn the call uh, over to Q&A. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of David Newman. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Morning. Morning, David. Uh, congratulations on some great moves here between the sale of Specialty Chemicals, some of the deals you're doing, and the balance sheet moves. So you're, you seem to be very, uh, very well set up. Um, on the financial outlook, uh, and you kind of alluded to it uh, as well, um, you called out the rising Canadian dollars a headwind, but you're substantially hedged for the year. Uh, you've got Freeman in the fold now. Hopefully, hopefully it closes. I'm sure it'll be fine other deals, synergies, cost savings, et cetera. So if I look at it, it seems like um, you're going to well exceed your, uh, your guidance, or well exceed, but definitely exceed the top end of your current guidance. I assume you're keeping your powder dry from May 25th? <laughs> Beth, you want to take that? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think, I think how I would respond to that question, um, you know, you missed a few things in there, David, but what I but I will say is on the FX side, you're correct, we are hedged. So when you look at the U.S. EBITDA from operations, it's impacted by the fluctuations in FX, but you see um, from our corporate or the um, hedge, hedge gains, but that's the offset to that impact because we're hedged for this year. Out of buck 33, right? Pardon? Out of buck 33, right? That's correct, yeah. yeah. So, so from that perspective, um, absolutely, we see minimal minimal impact on the change of the FX rate throughout the year, having an impact on our overall results. Um, with respect to your comment on um, Freeman, um, we will reassess, as I mentioned, our guidance at the time when that closes. Historically, from a guidance perspective, we haven't built um, the forecast with respect to the acquisitions until they actually close. Right. So at that point in time, we'll reassess and adjust um, accordingly at that time. Should we assume half, half if it closes, we assume half in, in 4Q, half of the $20 million? Um, well, with, with respect to Freeman, um, what you have to recall for, the, for when we're likely closing um, Freeman, um, we'll have the bulk of Q2 and Q3 in the results, yeah. and they would be obviously the quarters that have um, – a very small amount of EBITDA and actually some negative drag as you look throughout that period, um, consistent with residential type businesses. So Q4, it, I, it won't be half. It would be less than uh, less than half. We're in around, you know, a, a little bit less. Q1 is still your biggest quarter, right? Q1, Q4. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And now, yeah. now looking, switching gears, obviously the governor of uh, Michigan uh, and we're now past the May 12th, uh, deadline here, and uh, I think saner heads will prevail and the feds have stepped in, but do you have a view on line five and, you know, contingencies that you might have to deploy if that comes to pass? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll kick off that um, answer as well. 
Um, so with respect to line five, we have been proactive and have been taking steps in advance. Um, we have ensured that we have secure supply in the east. So in particular, Ontario, Quebec, and Atlantic would be impacted um, through the summer months. And so that's even if the Sarnia supply is disrupted, we're comfortable um, that we manage that. We've done that through increasing storage, um, through procuring secure supplies, no force majeure, as well as moving rail car supplies to strategic locations. So on balance, yeah. um, we're comfortable um, from a security perspective. Um, past the summer, you know, we'll continue to evaluate. Um, we obviously want to balance supply security with the cost. So beyond that, um, we'll keep monitoring and if necessary, we'll secure further supply into the fall and the winter to manage that. I'll add to that, uh, David and Bed, that when it comes to difficult time, when you think of the vortex years and years ago, you think of the rail car blockage, because of our uh, big group and wholesale and storage everywhere, uh, we can move liquid north, south, east, west. We have a understand that length line five is not good, but we do have a, a, a very big competitive advantage in times of crisis because our other competitors, when you think of East Ontario, Quebec, and Maritime, from a wholesale storage opportunity, bringing it from the south with our, our situation in the southeast. We do have an edge on moving liquid and secure more liquid. Uh, that we're home free, we're not. Line 5 is a problem for everybody. But we're certainly, uh, listen, I'm an optimistic. <laughs> if this was to happen, which I'm not necessarily in the card, uh, I want to take advantage of that to gain more customers and people that have, if they live through those crises, small and mid-sized company, competitor, uh, uh, buying them if they want to sell that because they're tired of make it difficult for them. They don't have our wholesale platform. Okay, and just just one more, just as, as part of that, and then I'll hand it over. Um, if I recall, during rail blockades and, and other situations, you've actually um, been able to improve margins um, because of logistics, but is, will this kind of supply chain logistics, will it carry extra costs um, through the summer that you can offset through margin? Um, from a margin impact, I mean, there are some costs to be procuring secure supply and other items intact. In That's all factored into our, our guidance and our forecast going forward. So it's, it can be managed um, within the current guidance. Excellent. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Beth. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Ben Eichsten. Thank you very much, and good morning. Um, Luke, can you talk us through uh, organic growth initiatives that you have uh, right now? What of organic growth should we expect um, in 2021, 2022, and where does that come from? Yeah, and and uh, what you'll see at the May 25th investor presentation is a lot of detail, which I kind of, part of me saying, 
we're going to give our special approach to computer when because everybody can read our investor day. But we will be very specific on the mechanic that we've put in place in marketing and sales by segmentation, by adding some value to the different segment of our customer base, by all the apps that we have for communication, for giving information, for be able to deliver it on time at the right time and maximize our delivery system. So we do have a special, very more, uh, I would say, upscale, very modern approach to customers, and we're gaining customers. I think this past year in retail, uh, from new new location, it was over 3%. So what we uh, intend to do May 25th, give detailed specificity how we go about that. Uh, long, too long to explain on a call like that, but May 25th, we will do that. We'll have people in senior leadership explaining all the mechanics, all the details of every way by segmentation how we go to market. And uh, net net of all that, we are very confident. We've always put going to grow 2% more than the industry. We've achieved that and more, and we will continue to do that. And big picture, it comes from a an opportunity to not be in a very highly sophisticated industry and bringing best practice on best industry, how they go to market and how they reduce the accretion, uh, which we cut in half, and how you gain market and customers. So uh, big picture, it's good. We expect to continue to have internal growth. And May 25th, I guarantee you, you'll have all the specific details and time for question after to our specific leaders that makes that happen in marketing sales and operation as well. Great. Um, just two more quick ones. Uh, first is, can, you know, now that your leverage has improved um, following the sale of the chemicals business, can you talk about your appetite for large acquisitions in the U.S., ones that are going to move the needle? Um, not just your appetite, but maybe also the opportunity set. Are there good opportunities out there? What do the multiples look like, et cetera? Yeah. Well, there's certainly more opportunity this year than we've seen in the past. I think the potential tax change reform in this stage is making people that thought they would sell their business the next two, three years to think through hardly, why not now? And we've got more in call and opportunity than we've had ever in the past. Um, some are small, some are medium. There are Freeman, I would call it medium size. And we're, we're busy looking at different deals right now, and there's many in the pipeline. From big, big deals, we always study the big deals opportunity, and, you know, we're very prudent on our, our rate of return and our uh, buying around nine times, let's say, and deleveraging two times, so we have a, a synergy that are about 25% on every deal. Those 25% would apply to a big deal as well. But the big deal are, you know, if you're talking about the big three players, there's nothing in, in the cards that there are for sale or something could happen. But we certainly are alert to that, and we continue to analyze those files in case something of a big size comes to, to the market or becomes available. So nothing that we could really feel strong about in the big size, but small, medium, absolutely yes. Thank you. And then my last question, um, 
for either you or, or Beth is, can you just give us an update on um, your self-help measures, including cost-cutting? Where are you at right now, and where should we expect you to be by the end of the year? Okay. Well, we've done a lot of cost-cutting last year, and we're seeing some benefit of that this year. During our investor presentation, we'll prepare our operating costs in Canada US as we digitalize, let's say we have a project, many projects and works to simplify, digitalize, and have less touch point people and paperwork to do the work. And that is, uh, those kind of projects are simplifying our work. And then as you multiply acquisition, like the Freeman and others we, we did in Canada, you end up with a, an overlap of routes. So if you have us and our competitor trucks that pass each other to deliver within 100 miles, we cut that in two when we acquire them and say, now you're going to deliver more than 50 miles. So we're, all of those, will, we will show the operating costs and the future in the next five years continuously to improve. And we intend to uh, present real specific numbers at the investor day, how much operating cost reduction we expect in the next five years with all of our mechanic and our continuous improvement in that regard. Great. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from the line of Steve Hanson. Oh, yeah. Good morning, guys. Um, just Quick question on Freeman, <clears throat> excuse me, just around the additional reach that it's providing you into the south. You know, if I think back several years now, you described the strategy to grow down the east coast, and this certainly helps bolster some density and reach down that area. You know, is there still additional density to be gathered in that eastern region, or should we think about other markets or geographies of target focus um, here going forward? No, good question. Uh, listen, the the uh, our market share are still uh, we're, we're now at the same size as Freeman in the southeast. We're doubling up, and there'll be all the synergy we've always accomplished, 25 percent or so of the improvement, and there's a ton more. And buying Freeman was a good play because the gentleman Freeman is a uh, very well known in the industry. Is best of class in the association. He's, he's led many different uh, projects in the association. And it's a big brand name and a good name for the industry to say, wow, if Freeman sold to Superior, um, uh, the many, many other players around that region, there's a lot more to come. And uh, we expect we could, over the five, next five years, we could more than double in that Southeast region. Okay, that's great context. And just as a related question, uh, you know, I think Freeman, if I'm not mistaken, had some interesting ancillary businesses in and around it, the sale of propane-based appliances, I want to say fireplaces and, and uh, propane heaters, et cetera. That's, that's a fairly unique twist on, on Freeman, I suppose. But, you know, in the context of the broader enterprise, is that something that you could yeah. have more broadly in the platform, or is that very specific to that region and some of the relationships it gives you there? Yeah, it's a very good point. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of impressed you've cut that. It's not a lot of EBITDA, not at all, like 5%, I think, of their total EBITDA, but it's a good marketing tool and the Southeast region only. 
So what happens is people, uh, those particular location in front, you have kind of a little retail store with a lot of products and uh, the technician that can help those people when they acquire those pro those those uh, accessory product to install them. So it's a good good uh, marketing and sales. Uh, and that's why they're gaining good sales growth. Actually, they're like us. They're gaining uh, three plus percent uh, market growth every year, and it helps there. It's it's not something that works in the north or in California or other region. But in that region, we're we're glad they have that extra marketing tools. Now, what they don't have that we could apply is a lot of our digital approach to different segment of customers. We'll we'll apply apply that as well. But yeah, it is a plus to have that only for that region. Very helpful. Thanks, guys. That's it for me. And your final question comes from the line of Joel Jackson. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Joel. Obviously, it's early for 2022, but um, can we think about this? Um, you think about uh, CWS and if FX was flat for for indefinitely here on, on the CAD and the U.S. dollar, and what growth in 2022 you would need from organic and acquisitions to offset lower CWS payments and and the currency headwinds? Like, have, have you thought about that? What you need to get to kind of uh, offset? Yeah. A couple of things, and I'm sure Beth could probably add to that. The CAW uh, are a lot less this year, as you saw, but we're losing more business than what we get. <laughs> if you think of the commercial business and industrial uh, in Canada I'm talking about, a lot less, uh, and we're not getting CAW government grant in the States, and it's retail, and it's, there's no, not much issue with COVID in the retail business. But in Canada, absolutely. What we're getting from CAW is less than what it costs us to have all those businesses uh, either close or running half, half of their overall opportunity capacity. So uh, not concerned. The day CAW goes, uh, let's say by the quarter four this year and the next year, we're back to 90% normal. I don't know, about 100% for a while. Um, we're going to gain some business that uh, we know the customer, we have the tank, and they're just using half of what they use or less, a lot less than that. That has cost us a lot of volume because we're very skewed commercial industrial in Canada. So when that goes away, it'll be replaced with new business opening up. So I'm, very, uh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> it'll pay more for us than getting government grant that doesn't cover all of our even though when the business is humming. Organic growth, uh, very, very, uh, to me, it's always been a top three to five big project. I believe in organic growth. It's the cheapest growth you can have. And we have the mechanic in place. I'll always succeed uh, a lot in, in the internal growth and at better margins, so it's not giving uh, price away. And you'll see me 25th, uh, full details explaining all of the above. Yeah, and I, um, I think just, I'll just add on the on the FX. Um, we do have our, as you'd be aware, our hedging program in place. So we do have 78 million of forward U.S. sales for 2022, which is roughly 40 percent of um, of the uh, flows that we'd be looking at, and even that we'd be looking at. So again, and that's sitting at a dollar thirty-three. So we are partially covered for that. Okay, that's helpful. I have a couple more questions. So 
my understanding of CWS is it's basically a program that you won't fire inefficient or idle workers because the business is struggling from macro recovery or recovery. So if the business, if repaying volumes don't recover in Canada as much as you want, and CW's payments go down, so um, are you? Do you have some flexibility to basically uh, lay off temporarily or permanently some workers yeah. to help offset that? Maybe talk about that. Absolutely. The uh, uh, yeah, good point. So we can uh, we can adjust. You know, the, the fortunate part we have in, in the energy business, we didn't have an other segment, other business we had in the past. We have more flexible variable costs. So truck driver, technician, employees, call centers, if you have less business, you can, you can move the, the needle on your costs. So if, if uh, the business uh, 2022 doesn't come back fully uh, uh, for commercial industrial business, we will adjust costs accordingly. Absolutely. Yeah, I think something else, to, something else to keep in mind with respect to the, uh, the wage subsidy, where the number, you know, on a TPM perspective is quite large. If you look to, um, you know, assumptions around what we would see in 2021, um, you know, the reality is we had 5.2 million in Q1 for the remainder of the year. It's likely going to be something in around double that or in that $10 million range is likely what we would anticipate. Obviously, until we have the calculations and we go through the process, we don't know what the exact number would be, but that would be what we would be expecting. So again, um, you know, just to give you a sense of the magnitude of the wage subsidy and what would be included in the 2021 year. That was 10 left to go for the rest of the year after Q1, right? That's what you said? Pardon? You said 10 to go after Q1. No, not to go in total. No. In total. Yeah, I was okay. going to make sure that it's total in total this year. year. Thank you very yeah. much. Um, yeah. Okay, and, and then um, think about cost inflation going on just everywhere. Um, when you think of cost inflation in your business, um, you know, you have, you know, how might that affect uh, your margins and, and your per liter margins? Um, in an inflationary environment. Yeah, and, the, and I, I alluded to that, or I answered to that partly in another question that came. We beat inflation every year because of our operating continuous improvement project. So for us, not only we will beat inflation, we'll show you May 25th that we're going to reduce overall costs more than inflation. And that comes from a continuous uh, a culture and a of continuous improvement, of continuous investing in technology to take place of a lot of people and, and, and working and paperwork. And so all of that is, uh, is in our card. We've done it in the past, and we will improve uh, costs over and above inflation for the next five years. It's in the top five of our big priority. We always have that, and, and we have project in place to beat inflation, and more. Okay, maybe I'll ask one more question since I'm last. Um, <laughs> I know around this time you do a lot of tuck-in acquisitions. I think there's conferences or trade shows you go to and you look at the different smaller players that want to be taken out. And you, you know, there's a, I think it's around May or June. I think there's a conference in Atlanta. I forget the exact setup. But yeah. is this year with the U.S. reopening now, is that season going to be a lot better than last year? Like, is it going to be 
more tuck-ins, more acquisitions, more smaller deals this year than last year available to you? No, it's uh, something that um, personally I, I was thinking about that a lot recently. I'm disappointed we cannot go to those big events and meet 15, 20 players. But because of the tax issue, I would think, in the States, uh, number one, and people are more inclined to uh, communicate with us, and we have dialogue. They know us from being 10 years visiting and those association meeting every year, and one in the West Coast, one in the East Coast. And uh, they're coming back. Uh, Atlanta, uh, there's a big event that I will go to, and we will go to uh, some of our management in uh, November, so we'll be there, and we'll line up tons of meetings for three, four days. Uh, the California is, uh, they're pushing it out. It was now to do in August. I guess it won't happen. It'll be later. But because of all the legwork we've done with a lot of people uh, over historically in the last, let's say, five, seven years, more than 10, uh, the connection, the relationship is there. Because of our acquisition, the industry looks at us and say, they're certainly one of the best buyers, and we have the best reputation from everything we bought, how we indulge people. Our net present score on customers, we're almost at, the, we're at 75%, 80% is best of class in the world. And we're really up there, and we are with customers and employees as well. So by having uh, that culture of treating all the stakeholders to give them a win and be best of class, the relationship and what hundreds of thousands of people in the state that join us from this industry, the buzz is out there like superior grade. They're first class. They confirm what they're doing. They're doing what they're saying. And we have a real big first brand name, I would say, to get make acquisition. So there's no way we're not going to get a call. We pass on more than we acquire. If we don't like the, that there's a, you know, an oil aspect to it that's more than 5%, 10%, we don't like that. We want propane. We pass some time on deals because of value. We don't want to pay overpay, and we pass on deals. Uh, but we're, we're uh, I, I would say we're the number one brand now, very respected in the industry, and calls are coming in. And you're absolutely right. I can't wait to go out there again and having all those discussion relationships. When fall opens, I'm going to start traveling. I told uh, our M&E group and VP and other people uh, with Beth and, and Rob, we're going to do a lot of traveling to visit uh, potential new investors in the state. Being a pure play, I think investors in the states are more interested than us. In the past, they always, most of them would say, uh, we don't like the fact you have two legs. You want to buy into one industry, and I would say 80-90% prefer energy. So we'll do tons of traveling in that regard, and we'll do the same and um, visiting company in propane industry to see if uh, we could buy that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. And we have two more questions. Internet question comes from line of glass. Hi, it's Elias. Um, can you hear me? Yes, Hi. very well. How are you? <laughs> Good, thanks. Um, just a couple questions. Um, let's step back to 2020 acquisitions, Luke. And uh, you obviously made uh, a lot of acquisitions, and late in the year uh, you had Ryan's. 
uh, question I've got is, would it be fair to say that you didn't get the synergy capture that you would typically get in the first year? And, and really, I'm focusing in Q1 um, that you would normally get if you could have closed the acquisition earlier in 2020. Um, just, just trying to see if you know there's a, call a little more upside when we go into next year. Um, is that question clear? It is clear, and you're absolutely right. Uh, when we acquire business, uh, in the winter time and quarter one comes after, we get zeros, just about zero synergy. We don't touch it. We're all about customer, right? <laughs> we want to grow customer. We don't touch it. And then when the summer starts, we get going. So you're absolutely right. The synergy, uh, we always say synergy comes 18 months. Uh, a bigger deal, it might be 18 to 24. And the reason for that is we shut the door on moving things around in the six months where we're busy with customers. We don't want to do that. So it's not something we can address the month after we acquire business. We wait for the summertime to apply our synergy and do the work. Absolutely right. Great. I, I appreciate that clarity. Um, my last question, maybe two questions, I'm going to focus a bit on, on capital. Um, the first one, um, and understand this might be a bit granular, and uh, if you don't want to talk to it, we can save it for investor day. I noticed that your efficiency and improvement capital year over year was down, and maybe I would have expected it uh, to be a bit higher. Uh, could you comment, is it, am, I, you know, am I chronometering the brick too much by looking at the quarter? And what kind of returns do you get on, on your efficiency capital, if you could comment on that? Yeah, Beth, you want to start? Yeah, sure. So um, from a from a return perspective, I mean, we, we typically manage it using hurdle rates. So typically it would be, you know, returns, you know, in that mid-teens. Um, there's instances where if there are <clears throat> IT systems, et cetera, it could be a little lower and in around a 12% range. But um, that's how we would manage that and typically target those expenditures. Um, from a from a year over year perspective, not knowing the exact numbers you're looking at, part of that reduction um, is potentially the, uh, associated with especially chem's business versus um, just the energy distribution business going forward. We are targeting yeah. roughly 40 to 50 million in those. We we refer to them as the growth capex, growth capex, and that split somewhat evenly between. Canada and the U.S. sort of 20 to 25 million in each, and then you know looking at for our superior gas liquids or wholesale business in and around a five million dollar range, and that's primarily software and terminal upgrade expenditures in the wholesale business. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks for that. I, I was actually referring to the uh, MD&A uh, table on page 22, which I, I think is continuing off. Um, one last question off that table. Uh, maintenance capital run rate looks like it's consistent at about seven and a half million a, a quarter. Uh, can, can I potentially take that and annualize it to get a pretty good number? Uh, but, um, maybe I'll answer that a different way. Um, <clears throat> If you're looking at maintenance capex, think of it from a 40 to 45 to 50 million for the year. Okay, that's good enough. Yeah, so so maybe a little higher than annualizing your seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. 
That's it for me. Thank you. Thank you. And your next question comes from the line of Patrick Kinney. Yeah, good morning, Luke. Beth and Rob. Hey. Hello, Pat. Hi. Um, just with, uh, you know, drilling activity starting to come back here in Western Canada, and I guess assuming oil prices stay relatively flat through the back of the year, um, curious, what, what do you see as being a reasonable recovery in propane volumes, say, for the rest of 2021 relative to 2020 from your oil and gas customers? And... Also, you know, how far off would we still be from, say, normalized 2018 levels? <laughs> That's a tough question. You're absolutely right. We've saw in the last month some good volume for the first time in many years in the oil uh, drilling uh, market. So we're very pleased to see that coming back somewhat. When it comes to 2018, oh, my God. I don't know, Rob or Beth, if you have an idea, it's probably half or less than what it was in 2018. And I'll let, I'll let uh, you know, uh, I'm probably looking at, at numbers right now to answer you, but um, it's a lot less. And a little bit of tweaking now that's going up, and we're like, okay, this is good. Uh, we did not uh, uh, calculate what it means for the rest of the year yet. We're into forecasts. Uh, redoing for the next six months, so we're uh, looking at that. I don't have a number for you, but it's tweaking up, which is great news. Long, long time okay. to do. Right. Yeah, we we can follow up offline, or you know, wait for the investor day for the uh, revised outlook there. But maybe just switching gears, Luke, to M um, and B and their ownership looks to be now above Brookfield's level at least on a fully diluted <laughs> basis. Um, <laughs> and, and apologies if I missed it at the AGM, but, you know, is there a, a request from M&B for a board seat at some point? And I guess anything you can share on, you know, some recent conversations you've had with them with respect to staying below 20% ownership or, you know, remaining a passive investor going forward? Yeah, so uh, they continue to be interested in acquiring stock, and uh, they, um, whatever they are today, let's say 15 16%, they certainly want to get to 19.9. Uh, we don't know uh, our discussion, and I've, we've talked to them and the CEO and the VP M&A, and they selected us. Uh, what's interesting from Europe, they selected us saying, this is a good company with great management. They've been following us way before they start buying stock, and we want to have a position in that company. And their position so far that we know is less than 20%, and that's what they say. So it's uh, glad to have some good, strong investor behind us. I'm sure if we one day did the more equity, we would want to think of all of our shareholders to have a chance, but it's not for tomorrow. But they certainly would want to continue to have 19 or less than 20%. Uh, if there was a, a demand for equity in time for a bigger deal, they would be there, and so is Brookfield. So we're kind of a, in a good position. What we know, we're telling you, is uh, they're good people, uh, very classic, very good on health and safety, and uh, work, work our, to understand our company very well. 
they're very excited to take a position in the less than 20% of our stock. That's what we know for now. Okay, that's great. I'll leave it there, and uh, here's hoping you're right that we are having these meetings face-to-face in the fall. Thanks very much. Okay, yeah, great. And there are no further questions at this time. Uh, no more, No other question. And there are no further questions. Okay. Uh, so thank you for the question. They're always very good and uh, makes us think through uh, lots of detail before the call to be prepared for you. And um, after the, thank you for the lis- listening in the call and supporting us through this difficult time. And again, I'd like to thank management and employees. This has not been normal or easy, but we've uh, succeeded. I was quite, quite impressed when we finished our year on guidance last year with very warm weather in the Northeast and COVID taking a good part of our business away and uh, commercial industrial and we finish on plan. Let me tell you, uh, I think we show resilience as a company and I, I cannot uh, emphasize more to all of you that if you want to know a lot of detail that you've asked over the years that we were probably not giving to every every detail of our digital segmentation, uh, operating excellence, how we do that, uh, you're going to get the whole picture May 25th. It won't be, if it's the biggest, largest presentation we ever made. And uh, if you're interested in our business, this is the best time to listen and understand. I think we'll cover lots of stuff that will satisfy your need on understanding uh, the intricacy of how our, our sauce, our magic sauce is uh, operating out there and why we're having that kind of success. So thank you, everyone, and uh, looking forward to the May 25th. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.